Welcome to Standout Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness. My name's Ali Hill, and as a psychologist, it's been my profession to connect with people's stories. And when you think about it, it's the conversations that we have with ourselves and with others that truly shape us. It's through exploring these stories that we start to find a pathway around the magnificent and the remarkable question. So what does it actually take to live a standout life? Throughout this podcast, I sit down with influential women and a few good men and we chat about how they live a life of purpose while still making progress. We dig into their stories, both the successes and the struggles, and in doing so, we get some amazing insights into what it takes to live big and ultimately how they've found the wins in this crazy, busy world. So let's dive deep into what it takes to live a standout life. In 2007, launching Women's Health magazine as the editor, Felicity Harley took what was a concept and created it into something that we can now curl up with on our couch with a cuppa. This was her job for nine years. Felicity is an incredibly talented editor with a huge background in journalism. In 2012, she was named Westpac's 100 Women of Influence for her initiative around Support Women in Sport campaign, which aimed to bring media coverage to female athletes wife and mum to two small boys, Felicity unpacks her own remedies in an environment of relentless change, how she makes sure that she doesn't lose sight of herself. Having said that, she was also pretty honest about the fear that maybe she would as she steps into a new venture, a new job and new possibilities that lay ahead of her. The balance is real and the balance is hard. In fact, we talked about how balance is probably a word that we just need to even let go of. Felicity loves her family, but she also loves her job. And trying to get the combination of the two is not always easy. She was beautiful and warm and very honest in this conversation. So I want you to sit back with me as we soak up the wisdom and the warmth of Felicity Harley. Felicity Harley, welcome to the studio. Thank you, Ellie. Great to um, have you here. I want to start by asking, back in 2012, you were on the list of the Westpac and the Australian Financial Reviews, 100 Women of Influence Across Australia for your initiative in supporting women in sport. Where were you when you were notified that you were on that list? Well, I I didn't even know I was nominated. I was actually nominated by my husband's mentor and... um, because my husband has worked in AFL for years, been, you know, played AFL and gets lots of accolades in the sporting world. And so she had obviously seen what I launched a campaign called Ice Poor Women in Sport. And um, she thought it was about time that I got some recognition for what I've done. And so I didn't even realise she'd entered me. So I think I got a call from them saying, you've been nominated as one of these 100 women. And I was, yeah, I was... I kind of, I was just pleasantly surprised. Nice. And I kind of asked, oh, what is it all about? Because that was actually the inaugural year. Oh, right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I was, I suppose I was really chuffed yeah. to um, be included and, and very proud of creating this campaign and um, which was all about giving media recognition to female athletes and, and my team behind me, like women's health, I couldn't have done it without the team behind me. So... Yeah, it was it was great, and I, and at the actual it was a breakfast. I think it's a night event now, but anyway, it was a breakfast in those days, and it was just amazing being surrounded by all these. It must have been incredible to have ninety nine other and women and their stories yeah, and what and they've in done in all different areas, and and just you know the charity work and business, and it was great. So yeah, it was, and I have to thank um, 
a lady by the name of Sam Austin for that. It must be amazing to see that initiative get recognition in that space. Um, and what have you noticed, I guess, with that initiative, so that there are more, you know, female athletes and female sports kind of seen on the stage. And we're, we're right at the pinnacle, obviously, of seeing female AFL about to hit our screens, yep. which is so exciting. So exciting. Um, yeah. What have you noticed um, that since in that change since you started that initiative? Yeah, well, I, that initiative started off the back of actually a um, statistic that I came across that said racehorses get more TV airtime than women. So that was wow. back in 2012. <laughs> um, it was an Australian government report that was handed down. So when I saw that and obviously being so engrossed in an AFL man's world, I thought, women's health could be a great vehicle to change this and champion female athletes. And I think over the years, it's been going for six years, I think we just six or seven years, we just had our um, our I Sport Women in Sport Awards, which we do every year. Um, I, th- I just think there's more, we just, these women are just household names now. Like you can sit in the kitchen and maybe 10 years ago, you might've thought, now who was that? Olympian who went for Winter Olympics. What was her name? Elisa. Oh, Elisa Champ. Like you couldn't, yeah. you couldn't even name them. But now we can, you know, rattle off the Campbell sisters and Lydia Lassila and all these amazing athletes, and they're getting sponsorship. We're just. I think anecdotally there was more stories about female athletes in Rio than there was male athletes. Yeah, actually, when you think about it, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and they were everywhere. So I just, yeah, I think it has changed. We've still got a long way to go, but it's it's great. And so, you know, at Women's Health, we're still championing women in sport. Yeah, such an important conversation to have. How important, so for you getting recognised with uh, 99 other women of influence in that space, how important is it, do you think, for women to be public, publicly recognised and be okay with that? Because I think part of that tall poppy syndrome and as women we kind of go, yeah, we do this great work, but... You know, we, I think we almost wince at this kind of public recognition. How important is it for us to step into that? Um, I think, I mean, I think that 100 Women of Influence is actually a really great initiative and, I, and I love, I've been loving over the years watching it get bigger and bigger and people talking about it more and I think that I would love more things like that and, and who knows, maybe it, um, the new website, Women, that I'm now at, there might be something um, that we can do to celebrate women and different women making change in different areas of, of business and life and charity, wherever you are. I think it's great. I think we need more celebration out there of these amazing women. And what, but amazing women that you wouldn't necessarily read about otherwise. And that's what was great about the women in sport because we were bringing stories. So we were bringing, say, a um, a basketballer who lived in Ballarat who worked full time while she was also training for the Olympics, had three kids, was juggling life and training for the Olympics. We wouldn't have ever heard about her before, but a story like that comes out. And I think if we have more stories of these amazing women in all walks of life that women can read about, then isn't that fantastic? And obviously these, that's been a big part of your career, having launched and been the editor of Women's Health for the last nine years. I know, nine years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said before you were going to do it for three. You get I caught know, in. I know, what, uh, How did you get into that role? Um, well, I've, I've been in women's mags 
for like ever, well, not ever, but um, my whole career I've worked in women's um, magazines. I am really passionate about women's issues and inspiring inspiring women to live better lives. And Was that a conscious choice to get into women's magazines or was that kind of a pathway that opened up? Um, it, well... <laughs> No, it wasn't a conscious choice because when I was at uni, I did work experience at Channel 10, ABC, Sydney Morning Herald and Marie Claire. So I, I just wanted to see which area. I mean, media is, you know, I'm really passionate about. Mm-hmm. And then I just happened to get a job at Girlfriend magazine um, out of university. Um, and I think that's because I actually did my application as a mini magazine oh, at the cute. time. Smart. <laughs> in hindsight, I used to hide Dolly magazines under the bed when I was 14 because Dad wouldn't want me to read Dolly Doctor. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I remember Dolly Doctor. <laughs> I know, we all do. I think it's still there. But um, so I don't think it was a conscious decision, but when I was in it, it just felt right. And so fast forward 18 years and, um, yeah, I'm just really passionate about, well, I'm moving obviously off magazines and into the digital world, but still passionate about women and creating stories and content that inspire women to live better lives, whether it be health and fitness or whether it be educating them about parental leave policy or, um, you know, whatever, just bringing information to women that they wouldn't normally get. One of the things that can happen at the start of the year is we have New Year's resolutions, right, with all the greatest (laughs) intents. And you're nodding kind of knowingly here. Often one of the the top things that we want to shift and change is health. Yes. Is that something you've noticed in your readership? Like do sales go up in January? Yes. And (laughs) and what kind of things do people want to know about? Oh, let me just reel off the top three cover lines for women's health. This is what women want. They want to, well, I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. We want to lose weight. Um, We want to get a better stomach and we want to get fitter. So generally, and sales of the magazine and also clicks to websites and February is the month, uh, sorry, February issue out in January is the month that explodes um, for women's health sales. And yeah, we all, it's all new year. Let's start listing those goals or, I mean, I like to call them goals because there's something about the word new year's resolutions that makes me it makes it hard work. Yeah, it's really hard work. And they're gone by the 2nd of January, right? Exactly. Like, exactly. I think that intent. the studies say that, you know, within two weeks, you yeah. basically, you, you haven't done anything. Yeah. Do you, is there any difference between the ones that we keep that you've noticed? For- um, I mean, look, I've seen so much research over the years about how to, how you should actually write your goals. Like, should you ask yourself a question rather than say, I want to lose five kilos? Should you write it so you say, hey, you're going to lose five kilos? And then you'd answer yes. So I've read studies that you should do it that way. I've read studies that you should write um, only goals till the end of January. I've I've read studies that say you should only write six monthly. Like, I don't know. know. (laughs) Do the thing that works for you. Exactly. Find that space. So I want to come back to some of those headlines because you you kind of cringed a little bit even saying those. I know. Um, What's what's behind that? Like, is there, you know, is there some of that... um, and I'm sure that you've received that kind of feedback in the media that, you know, it's that the media can perpetuate some of this um, sense that we've all got to be fitter, we've all got to have flat stomachs yeah. and we've all got to lose that five kilos. And regardless of what size you are, it's always that five kilos um, and that women feel bad about themselves yeah. if they don't do that. Um, 
is that has that been your kind of experience? Yeah, look, I won't lie. I do. I I get very conflicted about that because I do agree in some way that we, you know, saying lose the last three, five, and seven kilos. You know, as a woman, it makes me think I need to, whereas a lot of the time maybe you don't. But people, but women buy that. So sometimes we're our own most worst enemy. We say we don't want to read that, but then we go and buy it. Um, but we, you know, my approach has always been if you do want to lose weight, well, let's put it on there because some people do and some people should, but do it in a healthy way. So you, we're not about diet. So as part of, say, that cover line, the story inside will be about following a healthy eating plan or becoming fitter or all that kind of thing. So I do, I won't lie, I do struggle internally about that sometimes. Um, but I feel okay because I know that what women's health has produced is good, sound nutritional health and fitness advice. So backing it up with those, yeah. those health messages exactly. that you wish we could put on the cover letter. Um, the, yeah, on the but cover. they won't sell. And at the end of the day, we have to, it is a commercial, yeah. you know, organisation. So I, the magnet magazine needs to sell, so yeah. oh, it's a conundrum. How do we change our mindset around exactly. kind of health in that space? One of the perceptions is that in a magazine, and particularly women's magazine, that it's a highly competitive environment, that it's kind of dog-eat-dog, dog. Um, a lot of women, which can have that sense of it's quite a bitchy environment. Is, is that been your experience? Um, no, I generally no. I... I Look, one of my favourite movies is Devil Wears Prada. I won't lie. I love that movie. <laughs> and then after I saw it, I remember the number of people who came up to me and said, is it really like that? Is it? I won't lie. Like there have been environments where sometimes I think, oh my gosh, am I, am I actually working? Am I living a life of Devil Wears Prada? But um, generally I, I actually, when I first went into magazines, I had this saying to myself and it was, always be nice to everyone because you never know when that person will be your boss. And, and you know, that's authentically me is to, if I look at, you know, at the core of me, I actually want to be a nice person and I want to see the good in other people and um, do my best. And, and I think I've just stuck to those guns and I didn't start out thinking I'd ever want to be an editor and somehow it's just happened that way. And so... I think you can get involved in bitchiness. I won't lie, of course it's there. It's probably there, you know, when you've got 300 women in a company, it's not going to not be there. But you can choose to be part of those conversations or you can choose to step away from those conversations. And I've always tried to step away from those conversations. Remember that just see the good in people and be nice. I think niceness is so, it sounds a bit trite, but... It kind of works. And nine years working there clearly has been effective strategy yeah. to kind of <laughs> stick and stay. Well, women's health's been lovely. I mean, generally, the women's health people are really lovely, um, very down-to-earth people and, yeah, it's so just stay true to yourself, I think, yeah. is is really important. As editor for women's health, what, what part of that job have you loved the most? Uh, I actually really love... Like I've got a really great team and um, someone said to me, you know, an old editor I worked for said to me years ago, you're only as strong as the people around you or the people around you make you look good. And so I think 
I've only been successful because of the people around me and, and some of those team members are still at Women's Health since we started. So I, I, it's really important to value team, I think, and that's probably what I've loved about Women's Health. They're a great team and that's how we've been successful. I imagine magazines, it's a really tight time frames. You've got turnarounds. Um, there's, there's a lot of busyness and a lot of stress that can kind of come with that. How do you keep a team together in amongst those kind of stressful, stressful moments? What have been some of the strategies you've, you've used? I, I think give them lots of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Women's Health magazine. Oh, do you know Running that, on chocolate. Do you know it's unhealthy? <laughs> this is terrible. It's actually the unhealthiest place I've ever worked in many ways because in magazines they have this table and it's called the free table and, you know, we get sent free things to put in the magazine or promote on social or whatever. And I have never, that free table has never been so full of junk than compared <laughs> to when I worked at other magazines like Cosmo and Cleo and so many lollies and chocolate. But then what happens is people kind of binge on that and then they go for a big, massive run, run. walk. <laughs> so it's quite funny. Too many outside. Yeah. <laughs> I love um, it. So stuff them full of chocolate, one. Um, two, I think it, we've just got... A lot, like lots of laughter, lots of fun. Um, it's really important, you know, for me when it's really stressful that you are just empathetic with people. Like you, you kind of get it, you know, you come as a leader, like you, like I'm no better than anyone. Like, like we're all feeling it. Let's, we're all in this together. And, and um, we, yeah, I just think have fun, chocolate. And then at the end of every deadline, we used to, well, we don't anymore, sadly, but we used to go out and do something fun. So just to kind of acknowledge the moment, this yeah, is, we got yeah, through this together. We got through this, you know, and there's a there's saying that we say, you know, we're not curing cancer, a baby's not dying, let's keep it real, it's only a magazine, it's going to get out, you know. So yeah. um, keep it grounded. Keep it keep grounded, grounded, yeah. Back to that space. Yeah. What are some of the signs for you personally when you start to get a bit overwhelmed by the busyness? What do other people notice and and how do you combat that? Well, um, I think at work actually, and I th- one one thing that perhaps is one of my strengths, which I'm probably a little bit proud of, is that I actually don't so- show stress. Like people will often say to me, you're not like you're not even stressed. So I think I internalise a lot of my stress or when I get home, my poor husband gets, yeah. like, yeah. I kind of think I just, you know, walk through the office the day and I'm, I'm all right, I'm all right, don't talk, you know. And then um, then I get home and then I'm blah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's completely mine. Like, I know when I'm snapping at my kids quicker than yeah, I, yeah. I should and it's often my husband that'll go you need to go to a cafe. Yeah. <laughs> Just some time out or go for a walk. I'm like, no, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> but I think one one um, one way that I've managed to deal with stress over the years is really exercise. Like I'm like an... just have to go for a run. Like if I'm feeling really stressed or even in the day, if I'm really stressed at work, I'll be like, okay, I've got to go for a run at lunch. Otherwise, I'm not going to get through this day. And I know... It's so much easier to sit there and think, oh, God, I'll just work for lunch, I'll get it done. But the productivity in the afternoon, if you just even get out for half an hour or 20 minutes and have a shower, so if you just have a shower, so you're in, basically you've taken 40 minutes from your desk, you come home and you're so, you come back to your desk and you're, you're just so much more revived. Yeah. Um, so I think exercise and yoga is really 
is how I deal with it. Um, I love that sense of giving yourself permission to do it and getting out of, I remember, and it was almost revolutionary to my world to realise that exercise didn't have to be 60 minutes of full on sweating it out. And actually that it was <laughs> just you'd be super fit I, if it was that. Know, which is why I never did it, right? Which is why I was never super fit because I'm like, well, it doesn't count, doesn't mean anything yeah, unless yeah. it's like 60 minutes, it's got to be 60 minutes. And realising that it's just movement and 10 minutes, like you say, yeah. can totally shift and that you do it for your mental health as yeah. much as your yeah. physical health. And I think it's taken me time to come to that. Like if you had have asked me this question when I first started at Women's Health, I probably, you know, I, like in the first six months I put on a bit of weight, I wasn't exercising, and but over the years I've been okay with just step out for 45 minutes and do something because you'll be a better person when you come back and you'll be more focused and more productive. So it has taken me a while to be okay with that, but now... I have to do it. Do you think when you started, if you could go back and give that advice to yourself, do you think you would have listened to yourself? Probably not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk to me like that. What do you know? <laughs> Which again, I think is where we get in our own ways. Yes. Is we, we hear the advice and we know the advice, but it's not until we have that experience ourselves that we learn over time that actually that 20 minute walk is a non-negotiable because it makes me better yeah. for the afternoon and coming through. And I think also, you know, the other thing... I think, I mean, kids have been a really good thing for me in in the business, dealing with business, because when you get home with kids, you don't even have time to think about, and we have a rule in our actually household that phones must stay in your bag until the kids go to bed. So when you walk in the door, you cannot touch your phone or look at your phone or it's just family time, kid time. And I think that's been a bit of a de-stressor for me as well. Where did that come from? Was that a was I that a kind know. of a moment where we went? Actually, we need to be off these devices. Or yeah, like I, I probably see. I mean, I, I suppose working at a place like Women's Health it means I'm privy to so many stu- like studies coming to my inbox all the time. I read so much content about work life balance, about mindfulness, and I probably read it somewhere. And I thought, right, we're going to do that. And so you get to leave some of those. Yeah, it's it is hard. hard because I'm like, oh, just have a look. Is anyone in with me? But it's really yeah. hard. Yeah. Have there ever been moments where you go, but just today yeah, I of have to. Yeah, yeah. yeah of <laughs> And actually the other thing I did a couple of years ago was split my phone. So I've got my work phone and one phone and my um, personal. And obviously it costs me more money because I have two phones, but it means that I can leave my work phone on a Saturday away or I can actually detach from work and just have my personal phone. And what what has that given you? Oh, back? just perhaps a sense of release that I don't that work is not always there twenty four seven. Like you don't you can step back and the world will go on and you can enjoy the moments, you know, in in life with your kids and you you know, you can actually live life not with your phone hanging over your head. Yeah. So married to Tom. Yes. So ex-AFL captain for yes. Geelong. Yes. Um, obviously, you know, very, very high-powered career that he's got. You've also got two kids. How do you manage it all? <laughs> we don't. <laughs> um, we don't. A lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> I love the honesty. So and it's in some ways it's a bit of a ridiculous question and uh, I always want to take it back from even asking. But No, yeah, no, we'll... no, no. It's, um, look, I won't lie in, in footy season, it's really 
tough because he goes away. Like the onus of running the house is on my shoulders during footy season because he's away a lot. Um, and there were many moments this <laughs> this uh, football season where <laughs> it wasn't all fun. But I think sadly, you know, the one thing that impacts is the our time together, like over football season, because we both obviously have quite um, full-on serious jobs and we just don't get time together. That's sadly what goes. But this is a choice we've made and for the moment and, you know, he's flying in his career and I've just got this new job. So, you know, for the next year or two, we just have to make it work. And look, we have a nanny, which so we take a financial hit and that's my choice because I want my household to be as smooth as possible. I mean, I think I'm a highly organised, perhaps a little bit OCD <laughs> person who's got her lists up. Yeah. This is what we're having for lunch. This, this is what we're having for dinner. This is what I have to buy on Wednesday night for Thursday night. Like, So I just have to be organised. Yeah. Um, but... You know, I think Tom and I are a really good fit because we, you know, he's been a great career mentor for me in many ways. Like he's very passionate about leadership, about, um, you know, being a better person in the workplace, being a better manager. And so I often deflect to him, how should I manage this situation? You know, so he, so we're actually, I think we're a really good support for each other in many ways. So we just kind of make it work. Yeah, and yeah. get those quality times and those moments. Yeah. And I love that support around your career and, and, as you say, kind of bouncing things off each other. Stepping into a leadership role, was that something that, that came naturally to you? Um, I never wanted, like I never really, it, uh, to be honest, management of people is probably the least favourite part of my job. <laughs> like I won't lie. So I never thought to myself, I want to be a manager. I'm the eldest of four kids. Maybe I, they used to call me bossy. <laughs> so I've been doing this for a while. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Um, so, no, it just kind of happened. And What surprised you about stepping into a leadership role? Um, probably, I probably underestimated how hard the people management was. Um and that how much of your day it actually takes up, that's probably was the biggest surprise. You know, you just think, oh, what happened? It'll be fine. But then sometimes it, you literally, your whole day can be gone with people coming in about issues about other, you know, they've got with other staff members or processes or whatever it is. So probably the time in the, that it takes. That people need to that talk through need, yeah. talk through things, what's going on for them. Yeah, and they might not even need you to fix anything. They might just need... And like even yesterday when I was in the middle of writing this story and one of my staff members came in and I was thinking, oh, I'm so in the zone for writing this story. <laughs> it's terrible she would hate me saying this. And then she just wanted to talk, but you have to just put that aside and be talk to her, be space. present with her. Yeah. And, and I always have an open door policy, so just always come in whenever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we had a great chat and you just have to kind of mentally go don't worry about the story, this person's more important, focus what she's saying. Don't sit at, you, you know, because I was sitting behind my desk. Yeah. Put, put your keyboard to the side 
And because once one of my staff said to me, Felicity, can you stop tapping? Because I must have been <laughs> <laughs> trying to do. It's the dead giveaway with, hmm, yeah. yeah, mm. yeah. <laughs> and they go, did you just listen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so giving that full attention yeah. to where you're at. Obviously, um, I mean, it's probably different in the industry where you've been in, in kind of women's magazines where predominantly kind of women in those kind of organisations across the board, though, we know that there are not enough women in, in leadership roles. What's it going to take for more women to be to be occupying these roles, do you think? Yeah, see, that. I mean, that's an interesting question because I am in a very unique situation because I work with all women and it's quite interesting when I'm... I suppose one of the ways that Tom and I get on really well is because he works with all men. Right, So of he's in a total ma- male-dominated yeah. and I'm in a total female-dominated. And... I find it hard to answer that question because I suppose I haven't worked in a environment that is male dominated. So in many ways, I'm, I think I'm lucky. But I think, you know, just from when Tom and I talk about it, it's probably men taking ownership that they need to promote women and men realising that sometimes, and women realising that they might that they just need to encourage women, you know, like, and, and Tom often talks about, I just, I'm much more mindful now that I need to take time to, you know, mentor women and nurture women and in, especially in a all-male environment, that it's just not the boys all coming together for a chat. Mm. It's in, in, you know, stretching the invite out to these two women and, um... Do you think even in an all-female environment, have you noticed that there are people who will hold themselves back? Uh, wait until they've got the perfect qualifications to apply for that next level up um, and not kind of step into those decisions? Or has that been a different experience? Yeah, no, I definitely have seen that. And and obviously I've seen research that men are much more forthcoming in, you know, listing their qualifications, even if they haven't finished them, because they're, they're, they're overqualified for the job. But as a woman, oh, am I qualified? I don't know if these... I think that happens all the time. And I think even with women working in a female environment, it happens. You just, it's hard to have confidence and think you're um, you're good enough for the job. And actually, when I got approached for this new job, um, it was actually it was when I was doing my LinkedIn, because about at the beginning of um, 2016, I thought to myself, I better get my LinkedIn you know, I started, I've been at Women's Health for eight years and I thought, oh, I should, might start putting some feelers out, see what's out there. And I thought I'd better get my LinkedIn, you know, up to scratch. It's probably not there yet, but, um, and it's when I started writing down my achievements that I kind of became a bit proud of myself. And I said that to my mum, I said, oh, I know this sounds weird, but I've actually, I've actually, it's actually impressive when you read my LinkedIn. I never, I've done some I've, stuff. Yeah. Like, and I suppose I've never sat back, I never had sat back and really thought, I've actually got a bit behind me now. Um, so it was perhaps a moment where I, you know, for the first time in 18 years, I was actually quite proud of myself. <laughs> and again, I go, at the start of the year, I think it's so, such an important thing to do, even a reflection on the year that's been. And what have yeah. I learnt? What have I gotten through? Cause rather than waiting to <laughs> yeah, 18 yeah, yeah. years of doing a LinkedIn Actually, we profile. wrote a really interesting story about that about two years ago. It was called The Nectar List. They call it like, it's the same thing, right. The Nectar List. So what you, it was an idea out of some university in the US, but they suggested when it came to news resolutions, instead of writing the next 12 months, reflect on things that you did really well in the last 12 months. So... 
a, you know, presentation you gave that went really well or a story you wrote that was really, you know, amazing, got lots of feedback. And, and so I did that one year and it was really great. Like it, you know, it just reminds you that you've actually had a really great year. I love the name as yeah. well. It's like the nectar. Yeah, you should Google it. Yeah, yeah, I just can't remember. It came from some positive psychology um, department in a university in the US. Yeah, it was, it's a great, it's a great Stop one. Stop and acknowledge what what have I learned, what's grown, what's actually been those yeah. moments that I've done some pretty well. And we can always re- ring our mums and go, guess what, mum? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even things like that. holiday, like that's right, it was talked about... You know, like a holiday you've been on and that moment in the holiday, I don't know, when you were drinking a cocktail, watching the sunset in Bali and you, you know, just revisiting those moments of nostalgia and feeling grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Let it sink into your bones. Yeah. So you're stepping into a new role. Tell me a bit about this new role because you kind of don't know a little bit as well. No, no. So I'm working, um, I'm going to News Corp to launch a new female um, digital platform for them. And it's a brand new um, website for women. Um, it's called uh, With Her In Mind, so w-h-i-m-n.com.au. And it will basically be, it's, it's, so I'm moving away from health, like health and fish, fitness is my passion, but I'm back into the women's lifestyle. Um, so it will be news and views, a bit of politics thrown in. It'll be health and fitness. It'll be fashion and beauty. It'll be um, career and it'll be real life and so it's kind of the broad gamut of um, women's lifestyle and it's going to be a really positive empowering um, like having a conversation site um, with some great writers great opinion pieces and for the how do I put this you know for the average Australian woman um, who wants to read intelligent copy and you know, it'll be great. It's it's a really, really excited about the opportunity to build something from the ground up and and create something that Australian women want to read. It'll be exciting to see where that lands, and yeah, I love that concept of it. It being for that kind of intelligent conversations that, yeah. that we really want to have. What prompted the move? Um, I, I mean, I, they approached me about it, so I think it was. But when they first came to me, I said no, because I just wasn't ready. I suppose I'm at that point in my life where I've worked really hard. Like I've worked long hours. I've had like high stress and I'm kind of want to enjoy my children, have a bit more balance. And and I thought, oh, I can't go into something that's new and like, oh, just don't know if I can deal. But I suppose, I suppose after like a few weeks I thought no like I'm ready for a new challenge and I want to do something from the ground up and so I said yes and also the other thing which is really great and I think because I'm on five days at women's health and I've negotiated four and so that was really important to me to have more time with my kids at home um so was that a hard negotiation like in terms of your own internal struggle like am I allowed to should I what if they say no? Um, and, you know, I'd probably have got to a point in my career where I just thought if they say no, well, I don't want the job. Perfect. I know that's – and I never would have done that a couple of years ago. I would have been, oh, whatever you want, yeah, yeah, I'll do whatever you want, whatever you – like I've been such a yes person my whole career. And it was kind of really refreshing to come to the point where I thought, well, if they don't want me for four days, I don't want to work there. You, 
and obviously, but then it got to the stage where I started getting a bit nervous that, that maybe I, I did really want this, you know, always <laughs> want when you never. Um, but in the end, we came to an agreement. So, yes, I, I kind of, it was a nice kind of turning point and perhaps that comes with maturity and confidence after doing my LinkedIn. And <laughs> yes, right. That's right. Hey, I've done stuff, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can do it in four days. And I suppose, like, you know, I kind of believe a bit in fate and journey and if it was meant to be, it was meant to be. If it's not, it wasn't for me and it was obviously meant to be. How do you think you're going to go sticking to those boundaries in four days? <gasps> I don't know. I don't know. That's Because <laughs> I know what I'm like, right? I'll say, yeah, yeah, sure, four days and I'll do it and then one week, yeah, I'll just work an extra because there's a deadline. Or oh, look, I'd, I've kind of given myself a bit of a, you know, for the first three to six months, be a bit lenient with yourself because I want to make this work. I want to make this, you know, work. I want to do... It's, it's so hard, isn't it? Because you really want to do your best. But a lot of the time as a mum, I only feel like in my career I do 80%. I, don't, <laughs> I used to do 100 with four kids and now I only do 80. But you just... I can't beat myself up about that. I just have to... So maybe for the first three to six months before footy season starts, I'm just going to throw myself in and then when footy season starts, I'm back on deck at home a lot more. So Set those maybe parameters. ask me and yeah, we'll come back in <laughs> yeah. and check. Yeah. He's like, I'm down to three days, people. Yeah. <laughs> We're making this way. <laughs> and what uh, I'm really fascinated in what are those things that we need to say yes to more? And, I, you know, I think from the conversation with you, you know, saying yes to this job. It's really new. There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of excitement that comes with that. Um, and then what are the things that we need to say no to as well? Have you figured out some of those for yourself in terms of what are the things, Look, you know, even thinking about the year ahead, what is it that you know that you want to be saying yes to more and what are the things that you might be going, actually, you know, what's time for me to say no to those things? Yeah, I, I think... I mean, I have to say yes to friends a lot more. I think, sadly, with work and, you know, family, like family's priority, boys and husband, and then work, and my friends seem to just get pushed down somehow. Like, you know, you always, you come home and you're so tired and you, or on a weekend, you just want to hang out with your family. Actually, we have we have a few rules around our house, but another one is that on Sundays it's just kind of our family time. So next year I really want to try, or in 2017, I really want to try and perhaps and just make more effort with my friends. Like I love my friends and I see them, but I just need to be, hey, let's go, I'm going to yoga, why don't you come with me? A bit more of that incidental thing. Like I don't need to do yoga by myself. My friend, you know, Chloe can come with me. And and so I think that's what I'd like to say yes to more. Yeah. Um, no's. I don't know. I feel like I'm okay with saying no. I, f- I mean, ask me five years ago and I probably wasn't, but now it's a bit hard with this new job. Like I'm going to have to find that balance of saying yes and no. Um, and especially in the digital world, because, you know, it's all, it's all on the website. There's lots of video all over social. So I'm, I'm probably going to have to start saying no at nine o'clock at night if I'm, <laughs> the boys are in bed and I'm still on the you know, just checking things on online and just you can say always no. Be on. Yeah, yeah, you can never you, you can never get away sometimes. So it sounds like that's really important though. And I love the phones off when you get home until till the boys get. How old are your boys again? 
They're nearly two and four. Right. Yeah. 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 So it's really busy, fun. Yeah. Time. Busy, <laughs> fun. Yeah, busy. yeah. And I suppose I'm so conscious of everyone who with older kids saying they're not going to want you soon, you know, like eventually they won't want to hang out with you or they won't want to do this with you. And at the moment it's just like, mum, come do the train set. Mum, come and go for a swim. Mum, do this. Mum, drive on the tram, you know. So. Um, I'm like, right, do it now, bud. <laughs> I, I never want to live with any regrets that I didn't, you know, and I'm conscious that I am a working mum. So w- when I'm home I have to be present, you know, I'm a conscious parenting type person. Mm. Who inspires you? Um... I love that question. Um, different, I think I've got different people inspire me for different things. Um, I think my husband really inspires me in terms of he is just a good person and a good man and he he's always wanting to be a better version of himself. So he's a very good person to be married to because he always says sorry before me. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, so I think he definitely inspires me in that way. Um, I think my kids inspire me to remain active, to remain healthy, to get out there and live life in the great outdoors rather than being stuck behind a TV. Um, my mum inspires me because she's just a beautiful person. Um, so I think maybe it's more the people inspire me and more about being better, like a better person of yourself rather than, I don't know, like a Barack Obama type person. Yeah, yeah. The people um, who know you and are yeah, around you. Yeah, yeah. Who are surrounded How did you and Tom meet? Uh, we met on a photo shoot. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was, Tell me more. He was, um, he, so he played for Geelong um, and he, we, I was at Cosmo, I worked at Cosmo at the time, and he did a, um, well, I picked him off the football, like he was the, in the hottest footballer shoot and I was in Melbourne and he was on the shoot and, you know, there was just some chemistry there and then he said, you know, next time you're in Melbourne, do you want to have a beer? And I hadn't been to Melbourne for years and I said, oh, I don't know, and I wasn't really interested in a footballer. No. <laughs> at all. <laughs> We're just doing the shoot. That's yeah, okay. I was like, um, no. But anyway, he's just a, I just, anyway, I ended up being in Melbourne the next week and we caught up and then I knew someone and knew him and we just, you know, kept in touch and then I realised that he just wasn't another footballer. He was, you know, a really good guy and, and yeah, and he obviously went on to be a really successful um, AFL player and is having more success, you know, now in his business life. So... Yeah, it's great. I just feel like I met—I kind of met my soulmate in many ways, randomly at a hot full of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just kind of picturing you being the person who's popping the the oil on. Or well, he, he didn't—he was one of the only ones who didn't want his shirt off. <laughs> Maybe that was it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, no, I'm not feel comfortable with that. Uh, and I thought, well, yeah, she's a bit different because you don't want to just strip off and yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, he's a massive support and yeah, yeah. And community. you know what? He's always. He's always encouraged me to go back to work. He's always been supportive of my career and I and of yeah, maintaining, you know, a sense who I am in the relationship, which I think is really important. What are the things that are next for you to make sure that you don't lose sight of yourself amongst 
the change amongst yeah. the newness and amongst the busyness that's that's both exciting, but also we can we can go down a rabbit warren. Yeah, uh, look, I'm I, I'm pretty sure I might go down that rabbit warren. <laughs> I won't lie. I'm um yeah. I think I'll go there, but I just have to it, probably my kids like just time with my kids, and if I keep up my exercise, then I can get through. And maybe knowing that it's only for short time and I just have to oh gosh balance is so hard isn't it it's just mm. so you like it's just like this constant thing you're trying to I don't I mean I even hate the word balance because you can never have it who's ever no. in balance no no yeah. and I think you're right in terms of going for a season new role new job I'm going to dive in yeah and it just means that other parts of my life I'm going to do a little bit of crap for a little while yeah like the house <laughs> might be messy yeah or the, or the washing <laughs> might pile up or I'm just going to have to, like, I'm just going to, like, actually consciously have to might say to, say to myself. OCD is just going to have to be quiet yeah, in the corner. <laughs> My nanny actually said to Carly, who's a part of our family now, she said, you are the most organised woman I've ever worked with. <laughs> I was like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? She's like, no, I love it. But, um, yeah, I might just have to let, well, actually, I, I'm just going to have to let, like, let go of some things, like let Carly do the dinner for the kids or let Tom do more and, you know, if it's not how I like it, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. And it might actually be liberating along the way. <laughs> yeah. I sh- I'll hold on to that Yeah, <laughs> We'll come back and we'll see. Yeah. Look, Felicity, the name of this podcast is called Stand Out Life. When I offer that term up to you, what does it mean to you to live a standout life? I mean, I think for me it's just... Like I've had this kind of motto, I have many mottos, I like my little mantras, um, that you only get one shot at life and I think it's about living the best life for you like and being, yeah, just being happy with where you're at at different points in your life. I mean, sometimes you might not be happy but look at, okay, so what am I not happy about and how can I change that to live a standout life for me? Um and I want to look back and I suppose look at things like, no, I've, you know, like in la- two weeks ago, well, last week, um, I was in Vegas and I did a 10K run down the strip at night, which was amazing. And it, I had a moment when I was standing on the strip going, wow, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is ama- amazing. And I want, I suppose a standout life is for me doing things like that, like little things throughout my life that I can think that was a standout moment, the, you know, the 100 Women of Influence, that was a standout moment. My children is a standout moment and that's what it means for me. Beautiful. <laughs> All the best with your new adventures. Thank it's you. been so much fun. Thanks for having me. If you've enjoyed today's episode, then there's every chance that you might also enjoy reading a copy of my book called Stand Out, a real world guide to get clear, find purpose and become the boss of busy. You can grab a copy by heading to my website, www.alisonhill.com.au. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd love it if you could take a few moments, pop over to iTunes and give this podcast a quick rating so that we can continue to share these conversations with people around the world. As always, I'm Ali Hill and this is Standout Life. <laughs>